to a new episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling via Zoom from Atlanta, where the Vikings pulled off a 31 to 28 win to remain in control of the NFC wildcard playoff race. Just as we all thought, Ben, a high scoring affair with Josh Dobbs stepping into the picture. Um, it just, you got out of the locker room, talked to O'Connell and Dobbs. Just how improbable was this, um, from their own eyes, uh, considering how short they've been together? Yeah. I mean, this was one of those that you, it would be hard to have anybody say that this was the way they wanted it to go. I mean, it, it was as fly by the seat of your pants as you can get from the standpoint of, Brian O'Neill said the linemen had not heard Josh Dobbs' cadence in a huddle until they're on the sideline and he's getting ready to go in. Um, he said he knew most of his teammates' names, or at least knew some nicknames, but didn't know all of them and probably would have to work on last names this week, I think he said. And um, Kevin O'Connell said they didn't have to condense as much of the play sheet as – you might have thought because Dobbs was able to get basically everything that's on the call sheet, but he said he spent a lot of the game. The benefit of being in no huddle at the end is that he could talk to him and, and walk him through, basically coach him almost remotely through the headset until the thing shuts off with 15 seconds left to go on the, on the, on the play clock. So it was as, I mean, I, I tweeted after the game that they MacGyvered their way through it. I and mean, it definitely had that feel of like, well, nothing we are, planning to do is going to work. There, there was one of those, one of the more recent uh, Mission Impossible movies where like everything they're doing is, is breaking and they're trying to, you know, kind of pull out this last second, you know, it's always one of those save the world from implosion or save the list of agents from getting de- declassified and, and it's a race against time kind of thing. It, there's a little bit of that feel to this where it's everything, but so kind of the will to get it done is going wrong and, and they still find a way to get it done. And, you know, I guess a better team in a different spot. Does that happen that way? Probably not, but that wasn't the task today. And they, uh, they pulled it off for this task at least. Yeah. Surviving not only, um, Jaron Hall going down with the concussion right there at the goal line early in the first quarter. It's, it's three whole quarters of Josh Dobbs. This wasn't just, Hey, jump in and try to lead us on, on the last drive. He had to manage a game and didn't do it well at times. Coughs, yeah. <laughs> coughs up the ball a couple times. They take the safety early, uh, in his start in this game. Um, but his mobility is what stood out and really what elevated them in this game 20 a 22 yard scramble on fourth down late i think he ran for gains of 11 13 18 and 22 yards i mean that's an element. Was a touchdown yeah yeah that's right in the in the touchdown so th- that's an element that we have not seen from a vikings quarterback in some time yeah i don't think they win this game without josh Dobbs's mobility if he's a pocket passer especially on that play on the fourth down where he gets away for 22 they probably lose because he probably either gets sacked or has to throw it under duress and it doesn't get caught. So, I I mean, when you are in that much of a scrap it together, however you can kind of approach to things, it helps to have some ability to create something out of nothing. And I don't think they win if he doesn't have that because there were just too many big plays in this game where it required him to either extend things or make a lot of plays with his feet. And he ended up as their leading rusher for the day and had their – I mean, that 22-yarder, I think, was their longest run of the year. 
And I think he now probably has two of their top five longest runs of the season. So, yeah, I mean, I think that was the difference in a lot of ways. It's hard to simplify it for one thing, but I, I don't think they win this game with a quarterback that isn't able to do some of the things he did there. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. How much credit do you think Kevin O'Connell deserves for this game? I mean, obviously he's going to deflect a lot of it and obviously the players deserve a lot of it and Josh Dobbs does, but to go ahead and, and kind of call this game with such the limited amount of plays that I heard Josh Dobbs mention it was like preparing for a French, you know, uh, test and then having to take a German one or something like that. Yeah. I mean, for both quarterback and coach to pull this off is, is incredibly impressive. Yeah. I mean, he, he said that, I think I asked him, he was talking about O'Connell basically being on the headset translating. Okay. This is what this was called in your other offense. And I said, so wait a minute, was he like actually translating stuff for you in real time? <laughs> and he said, yeah, there, there were times of that happening today. So whether it's that, whether it's coming up with basically a game plan for a rookie quarterback that, that you then have to say, we have to figure out how much of this we can keep or we have to figure out how much of this has to go out the window because our rookie quarterback is concussed and is done. Uh, whether it's the, I think he talks a lot about this and everybody sort of, it's hard to quantify how much this stuff matters, but they certainly believe it in terms of, how much their belief in each other and their belief in what they're doing helps pull them through these types of things. I, I had this conversation with a couple of Viking staffers afterwards, actually before the game too. And they were saying, this is the kind of day where you figure out what a coach is, what it, you know, kind of what he's made of it. How much can the coach help elevate a team in this kind of a spot? And I talked to those same people afterwards and I said, we kind of already knew, but this was another example of this is a coach that can elevate and make the difference. You know, will he do that forever? Will he ultimately be capable of that through the long haul? We'll see. But there certainly is a belief among people high up in the organization that this was one of those days that he earned his money and, and, uh, had a lot to do with the reason they won. Absolutely. And to, to contextualize how insane, uh, this was that we didn't even mention they were without Christian Derisaw, who doesn't start yeah. this game because of a groin injury that pops up on Friday. He had a full participation in practice, but they downgraded him on Saturday. So clearly something changed over the weekend. And then heading into this game, yeah, it's David Questenberry, who was essentially your fourth tackle to start the season. Yep. Uh, starting at left tackle, you had, you were down all three of your start, your top quarterbacks because Nick Mullins is on IR and you lose Jared yep. Hall. So suddenly Dobbs is in there and then you're down your third wide receiver because KJ Osborne suffers a concussion. Um, in this game, TJ Hawkinson's having his ribs and oblique area evaluated. Um, they Can't were down. Us. Yeah, Cam, oh my gosh, yeah, Cam Akers suffers another Achilles injury, according to uh, the initial fear from, from the Vikings staff is that 
Uh, he suffered another Achilles injury, this, which would be the second for him in three years, uh, which is just incredibly tough for him. But they were down so many pieces and, and to pull this off, I understand Arthur Smith, the Falcons, they've got their own issues, but, um, it's, it's incredibly impressive. And I imagine now moving forward, this has probably got to be Dobbs's team right now, right? I mean, it, it might yeah, be I would too, think. too soon to get to that, but I would imagine that's got to be the direction. Yeah, and the thing this week is going to be – it's going to take them at least a few days to get Jaron Hall out of the concussion protocol, even in a best-case scenario. So I would assume this week you're going in with Josh Dobbs as the starting quarterback just because if it takes Jaron Hall until – Wednesday, maybe Thursday to clear the concussion protocol before he can even start going through game planning meetings or, you know, probably the first step of it allows you to go through game planning meetings. But I just, I don't think you'd want to put a rookie quarterback who is coming off of a concussion and probably will have his game prep condensed, if not almost completely eliminated because of this. I can't imagine they're going to have anybody other than Josh Dobbs preparing to start the game. Maybe Hall is ready. Maybe to be the backup, but I would think the timing of that makes it so that you're going forward with Dobbs and that it probably makes sense. I mean, Hall, I thought that the the second drive, he looked awfully good and they had him canning plays and they, it seemed like they gave him a fair amount of the typical levers to pull that Kirk Cousins has. You know, it's hard to know if it's a one-to-one comparison. I doubt it is, but it, Certainly was not something where they were just keeping the training wheels on with him. And I thought he did a lot of good things on that drive. And it looked like, okay, this may actually help him allow, help allow him to functionally run the offense. And then he gets hurt and then you have to go without him. But yeah, I would think Josh Dobbs is probably the guy, at least for the time being. And then if he continues to be successful or at least be competent. I don't know why you'd come off of him. It it certainly seems like that's probably the way they're going to go at least for a while. I spent 10 minutes being incredibly positive and they were obviously deserving with a win like this, but they got their rookie quarterback hurt because they can't run the football. He's scrambling from the four yard line on third down, second consecutive pass play being called because first and goal from the one they yep. get stuffed three yards backwards and now 10 carries they've had inside the opponent's five yard line, zero touchdowns this season. Um, and, and their poor rookie quarterback gets slammed at the goal line in a play that he, sh- I know he's mobile. He's going to put himself out there. Maybe that happens anyway, but that play happens in a physical moment and because they should have just run for a touchdown like any team yeah. would at the one yard line, but they still can't do it. So if, if Dobbs starts, regardless of who's quarterback, they're going to need that, that running game, that mobility of Dobbs, certainly if it is him. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't lose another quarterback. I don't think you can put yourself in that position where you're quarterback is in harm's way and obviously there's no way to prevent that completely Kirk Cousins gets hurt by taking a step back on a grass field and and his Achilles pops but I don't think you want your quarterback to be that exposed to contact that often especially when his offensive line in terms of the pocket was awfully good even without Christian Derrissaw today so you don't want to have to do that if Nick Mullins is a little ways away yet too, they need to take care of these quarterbacks. And and I think 
the fact that they've had to rely on the quarterbacks for as much of their running game as they did is is an indictment of what they hoped would be a much more efficient part of this offense. And it just hasn't been that. And they did some better things in the second half. They had some nice runs, certainly with Akers and then a couple with Madison as well. But you have to get to the point where you can count on that group and you have to be able to punch the ball in from inside the five-yard line. It just shouldn't be as difficult for them to do that as it's been. And, and it also seems like they just don't trust their ability to do it. I mean, you see times where they will call things that makes basically feels like a vote of no confidence in the run game. And you just, that's not sustainable. It just isn't. And that they're going to have to figure that out one way or the other. And I'm, I'm going to be curious, especially if acres is gone now for the year, what do you do? Do you go try to find another running back somewhere? I'm I'm not sure what there is to be able to do at this point because the trade deadline has passed. I had somebody suggest Adrian Peterson in my mentions. <laughs> I, that's not going to happen, and that's facetious, I think, although he probably would be the first to tell you he's still in shape, and I think he's off dancing with the stars now. So He'd take uh, the paycheck, yeah. He would. He would. <laughs> and I, I And if you asked him if he could do it, he would be the first to say, yes, I can. Uh, or he would ask you rhetorically, what do you think? Meaning, <laughs> you know, I can. That, that's not going to happen. But you're at that point where you may need to go add to that group, especially with Kene Wongu being inactive again today. I'm not sure that there's much of a, a reason to think that he's going to come in and be a big solution either. So, um, yeah, that running game has to get better and quickly. Otherwise, it's – I mean – you can put a lot on the passing game if you have a veteran quarterback throwing to the NFL Offensive Player of the Year. They don't have one of those two things at this point, and they're not going to have the other one for the rest of the season. Yeah, Kevin O'Connell and Sean McVay have in common uh, no backfield depth right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the Vikings, yeah, the, the Rams poached Miles Gaskin, so the Vikings don't even have him anymore. Um, and yeah, they lose acres. So now they've just got Madison. Wongwu was a healthy scratch. That tells you what yeah. coaches, coaches are thinking right now. Um, and then yeah, Ty Chandler, somebody who frankly is not trusted from, from play to play to know what to do. And, and for a young yeah. guy, that's going to happen, but that's why he doesn't have much of a role, um, in, in this offense, but he might have to, cause as you said, uh, who else are they going to turn to? Um, so they pull out this win, not really, I mean, the, the two defensive takeaways are certainly helpful in this game, but, um, I felt like the Falcons and Taylor Heineke were able to move the ball. The Vikings played the run very well in the first half. Second half was kind of a mixed bag a little bit. What did you think of from your press box seats, the defensive effort? Yeah. For the most part, I thought that group did a lot to keep them in the game. I thought that the stop near the goal line, the turnovers that they had. Yeah, that's, that's a big true. part of the reason they win. But at the end, I mean, they had the lead. Heineke scrambles for 13 yards and a third and nine. And then they ran, I think, Tyler Algier on six straight plays. They basically just said, we're going to run it down your throat because we think we can. And they did. I mean, that that looked until Josh Dobbs pulls magic out of a hat. Yeah. <laughs> like it was going to be the reason they lost the game because the Falcons, for as goofy of a game as it was and for as many twists and turns as it had, it looked like it was going to come down to, okay, we're just going to line up and run it, and we don't think you can stop it. It's just going to be simple, basic football, and that's going to be the reason they lose. So that part of it certainly is a concern, and 
I'm sure they're going to have to try to figure those things out because teams are going to try to expose that with, especially next week, Alvin Kamara coming in, you're going to have to deal with a run game again. But overall, I thought they did a lot of things that helped them stay in the game. I mean, Byron Murphy with the pick, Jordan Hicks with a great play on the, mm-hmm. on the pass breakup um, pressure again from, from Hicks, from Daniel Hunter. They overall, I mean, they're playing a bad quarterback, but overall I, I thought they, they did a lot to continue to suggest this is not a fluke, even though they are playing in spots with uh, a lot of young players that are still figuring things out on the fly. It always helps too when the kicker doesn't miss Greg Joseph going five for five, them needing uh, all of the field goals anyway in this three-point win. What did you think of the Kirk Cousins shirts up close? I saw all the photos of Justin Jefferson and everybody wearing them. Yes, this was uh this was like the one place so this is a little inside baseball but ordinarily it used to be that reporters got to go on the field before the game quite a bit. Uh most places have gotten rid of that for various reasons. It's um I I won't get into that in a whole lot of detail and then you can if if anybody's interested we can we can have a beer and talk about that another time. <laughs> but ordinarily you don't get to go on the field. Atlanta they let you so I think most of us noticed during the pregame, hey, our, our credentials have field access today. Let's go down and kind of get a sense of what's going on. And that happened to be when the Justin Jefferson – or sorry, the Kirk Cousins shirts were, were out, so we were able to get up, more up-close pictures of it. And I had a couple people say, hey, can you text me that picture? Like, oh, yeah, this actually is beneficial to be able to be down on the field. So close circuits, anybody who may be listening from teams, it's like there was some good – good kind of color in a way that humanized the quarterback and it was kind of a fun thing that came from reporters being on the field before the game. And you know, obviously those things are going to get out regardless, but it was interesting to see that. And it kind of gave you a little window into how they feel about Kirk Cousins and, and how much they seem to be missing him. It, there's sort of been this kind of change of the narrative with Cousins. And it may be a little bit of everybody says nice things when you're gone, but I also think he's been empowered as a leader and they've kind of rallied around him. And he's also played at a level that I think makes it easier to do that. And I thought the fact that they were all wearing those today was a reflection of how much has changed for him in Minnesota. He's not sort of seen as this pariah anymore. And I think in a lot of ways he's, seen as, I mean, Kevin O'Connell said it last week, he's our leader, he's our guy. And that's not how people would have talked about him in the past. And there's a lot of reasons that's changed. There's kind of a chicken and egg thing there, but speaking of Adrian Peterson. But, um, yeah, it's interesting to see how all of that has changed around Cousins. And it's going to be really interesting to see where that goes, especially when there's probably going to be another set of financial negotiations at the end of the season. There are, and the Vikings might be a playoff team without him. Maybe they maybe five. I mean, four more wins would give them would put them in the mix, right? Yeah. Oh, well, they're in the mix right now. Um, at at I mean, to stay in the mix, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, at five and four. Let's look at the teams around them. The um, Commanders won today. They're four and five, right on their heels. The Falcons, who they obviously just beat and have the head to head over, yep. are four and five behind them. The Seahawks ahead of them, a loss today, thirty-seven to three to the Ravens. So they're five and Boy. three, five and three ahead of the Vikings. So there's a bunch of teams that have three, four losses that 
why not Minnesota when you look at you're competing with Sam Howell, Taylor Heineke, Baker Mayfield at Tampa Bay is three and five down there. Yeah. Um, you could easily steal the not easily, but you could take this seventh seed. Um, especially if Josh Dobbs plays the way he did today. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to think that it's going to go all this swimmingly all of the rest of the way. And I'm very, very curious to see what Justin Jefferson is going to do or what perhaps he's going to be advised to do. Cause I think that's going to be a factor in this whole thing. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with that too. Um, if you get him back, I think it makes an awful big difference, but yeah, it's, um, they certainly are in the mix and the NFC is not strong enough to think that they can at least reach the postseason. And then who knows what happens from there. But I, I suppose next week is kind of a pivotal game with the saints five and four as well. Although the saints probably tend to believe in that division right now, right? Yeah. They're in the catbird seat right now. Yeah, five and four. So yes, but still it, it it's big in the sense of playoff positioning and they are now only a game and a half back of the idle Detroit Lions in the NFC North, they still play the Lions twice. I mean, whether it's beating the Packers at home, beating the Bears, the Broncos, although the Broncos look a little better, and, uh, the Raiders, um, there's enough in there that even if they drop a couple, they can get to nine and eight, and then they're probably in, and then who knows what happens from there. So, yeah, I mean, the, the people that want them to be picking at the top, I mean, that, that ship sailed earlier in the year. It certainly has sailed now. I mean, five wins is not going to have you picking any higher than seventh, even if you lose the rest of them and they're not going to. So, yeah, they're, they're going to be in the mix. They're going to be in the hunt. How about this for a key stat? No matter what happens, the rest, because we're recording this um, through the middle of the, the late afternoon games on Sunday of week nine, but no matter what happens the rest of this week, the Vikings will be tied for the most conference NFC wins uh, with the Eagles. They got five of them. Man, I, and you think about, so they're 0-3, well, 1-4, and 4, I guess, and you're saying, okay, what, what the heck's going to happen? They're going to sell everybody off, or should they sell everybody off? You go back and look at it. It's like the Buccaneers game they give away. Uh, the Chargers game they certainly give away. I think they would say that they should have or at least could have beaten either the Eagles or the Chiefs. Like it's not inconceivable that they would be in the mix for the top of the NFC standings at this point. And I don't, you know, you, you can play that game all day and the counter to that would be, well, you probably shouldn't have won maybe some of the ones that you did maybe today, but yeah, they're, uh, they're certainly not going away and the games like this one, the things they did today and they're capable of doing those things that there's no reason to think that they're going to all of a sudden crumble and not at least be in the wild card fix. We are not going to go away either here at the Access Vikings podcast at StarTribune.com. Please check out all of our work there. We will talk to you guys next time on Wednesday as the Vikings prepare for the New Orleans Saints in a NFC playoff matchup.